So most of our grant money now comes from studies involved in in vitro modeling of the joint in some fashion, either all components or individual components. And in some cases we are looking at adult tissues where we build, for example, a microchip, which is a in vitro small chip size system where all tissues of the joint are represented. They are interconnected so they can talk to each other. And we are learning to model disease in this device. We also have a system that we're developing that looks at how cartilage and bone develop as they would in an embryo. And that's more in early developmental phases, but that's gonna talk more about reproductive toxicity and environmental toxicity, as opposed to disease mechanisms of aging. Those are the main focuses of our work. And in that context, we are looking at what is aging and how do you prevent it? Thank you for that summary. That's very interesting. So let me just try to characterize this anticipated therapy. So basically, you are attempting to have a hydrogel which would be injected into the orthopedic areas like joints and so forth and have that hydrogel repair the bone or the cartridge that's been damaged by disease or trauma. Is that correct? I would call it a cell-laden hydrogel, but that is correct. Dr. Alexander, based on what you said, we're at least several years away from some more human trials using the concepts of you and your colleagues. Is that correct? Yes. We are probably five, ten years out of any human application of our work. So there are two focuses, obviously. There's the repair of a clinical condition, like a large segmental bone defect or a large chondral defect or the tearing repair of a tendon from bone. But there's also the aspect of modeling that tissue and applying it to drug development, for example. And we're focused more on that second part at the moment, developing better in vitro models for toxicity studies. And we have recently published a paper in which we present the microjoint concept and model osteoarthritis and then apply an NSAID to it. And we've shown that in this in vitro model, we can report similar tissue responses to a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And we're actually quite encouraged that upon analysis of the genomic response of the different tissues, our microtissue is more akin to what we see in clinical samples than between human samples and, and animal models. So the point of this microchip is to answer the problem, why have we to this point not developed better prevention and therapies for diseases like osteoarthritis? And one hypothesis, one thought in the field, is that perhaps the animal models that we're using to model the disease their physiology in some detail is too different from the human condition to actually report clinical outcomes. And so there's a push by the NIH to develop human cell-based models that can both be done in high throughput and in a cheaper way, while also providing human physiological responses to drugs. And that's the value of this joint on the chip using human cells. We believe this paper will be well-received. We already have some contacts with industry interested in this idea. Models are an interesting and useful tool. They, they basically avoid the need to run complicated animal or human studies. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And it gives us a lot of flexibility. I guess about 10 years ago, we started reporting on the development of induced pluripotent stem cells. Those are stem cells that are derived from somatic cells of individuals. In theory, we can also make a, a population study 
and develop personalized medicine and answers using these models. And not only diseases that the patient have, but we can also model diseases using CRISPR-Cas, for example. We have taken this hydrogel model. In that study, we performed the surgery exactly as we imagined it occurring in the operating room. We have an osteochondral defect in a goat. We take fat from the infratella fat pad, that is the fat that's within the knee. We isolate cells. We also take blood and we prepare platelet-rich plasma. And we mix the platelet-rich plasma with the cells to repair the tissue. There were several variables being tested. One is the nature of the hydrogel and one is the nature of the PRP. And in particular, we were interested in removing angiogenic factors from the PRP that might be preventing cartilage formation in vivo. And to do this, we depleted the PRP of a growth factor called VEGF, or vascular endothelial growth factor. And our results demonstrate that the removal of that protein from the PRP does enhance chondrogenesis in vivo. And I think that contributes to literature, and importantly, not just that such a procedure is possible, but also that PRP has many components and probably needs to be modified for optimal performance in skeletal tissues, and in particular cartilage, which is a very unique tissue. Right? It does not contain blood vessels, does not contain nerves. It has a whole different metabolic activity than most tissues in our body. And we normally associate formation of blood vessels and cartilage with disease. So having a PRP, which has lots of endothelial growth factor in it, would be a bad thing. That was our hypothesis in removing the VEGF, and it seems to have worked. For us, it's a pretty big discovery on that study, and we're hoping that's going to be the selling point when we go to publish. There's more physicians offering PRP therapies uh, than stem cell therapies. What you just described is that perhaps the PRP needs to be modified to optimize the results. Yeah, so PRP is a very popular thing to use in clinics. It's cheap to prepare, although you get charged a lot for it. And it's beneficial for most every soft tissue. Uniquely, it seems to be not very good for tendon ligaments and certainly not good for cartilage. And we published on that previously. So we feel like PRP is a product that needs to be modified for certain tissues, including cartilage. And this study is promoting that idea and demonstrates that it's true. Dr. Alexander, tell us a little bit about your work in bone repair. A challenge in bone repair is repairing, over the long term, large bone defects. Just thinking about our hydrogel for a moment, for example, the mechanical properties of the hydrogel that we're using are very soft. And it's become recognized that the mechanical environment of a cell can greatly influence the differentiation of that cell and its function. Traditionally, when repairing bone, we focus on bone formation. So using stem cells to maybe differentiate or to push differentiation towards creating bone cells or recruiting bone cells, or we call them osteoblasts, into the wound to form bone as fast as possible. When engineering or making a model of bone, we frequently focus only on the osteoblasts and perhaps more recently, the presence of mesenchymal stem cells and also endothelial cells to make blood vessels. But a very large part of bone biology involves the turnover of bone or the homeostasis of bone. The other half of bone building is bone breakdown to help it adjust to the local mechanical environment. The cells that do that are called osteoclasts. And they are, at least in bone tissue engineering, kind of a forgotten cell type or underappreciated cell type. 
And we're trying to learn more about how to incorporate osteoclasts into bone models. And towards that end, we're developing a method for the co-culture and development of bone using both osteoblasts and osteoclasts. And uniquely, so far we are sending the hardware, an acellular model of this, into space with the hopes that we can send a bone model to the International Space Station to learn more about bone homeostasis in space and whether such an in vitro model can be used to develop better therapies for astronauts in long space travel. And we hope to have our first flight in April 2021. None of this is possible without Dr. Hang Lin, who is an equal and highly productive partner of mine at the center. We both work in tandem. Dr. Alexander, thank you for sharing with us your pioneering work and the work of your colleagues. It seems as though significant progress has been made. There's many steps that need to be accomplished before this can be a clinically available therapy. We wish you success in those studies. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again, best wishes.